Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope that you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. Today we're going to be in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 13. Acts is the fifth book in the New Testament. If you can find Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those are the stories of the life of Jesus. Right after that's the book of Acts. And to get us started, uh, a thought that you may have considered in the past, uh, when was the last time you considered the uh, power of human touch or contact? You ever thought about that? You ever thought about the, the significance of human contact? So you just see you just patted him on the knee right then. Was it good for you? Okay, it was good for you. <laughs> Like, yeah, I love this talk already. Do you know each other? Okay, that's, yeah. Otherwise, it might be a little... Anyway. <laughs> so some ideas that came to my mind were just a handshake. Uh, uh, if I'm shaking the hand, especially of a younger person, a third, fourth, fifth grader, oftentimes it would be like at the church and I'll meet some of the younger people or even a, you know, five-year-old, and I'll oftentimes try to shake their hand, and every once in a while, you'll get like this really good handshake, and I'll think, you're going to be president, because, <laughs> you know, they, there's, it's significant, the power of a good handshake. Um, we have a staff person here at Jackson Road, uh, one of the pastors, his name's Alan Mock, how many of you, some of you probably know Alan Mock, and Alan, yeah, I'm a fan too. He, uh, in terms of personal friends, he is, uh, has led more people to Christ personally than anyone else I know, and my theory is part of the reason he's effective at introducing people to Christ and moving them toward uh, knowing and loving God is because he's a hugger. He is. I'm just going to do a little, how many of you have been hugged by Alan Mock? See, that's just weird. And some of you want to know, like, I want to know who he is because I want to avoid him because you're not huggers. But he's a hugger. Um, one last idea of the power of human contact. Uh, a couple months ago, we sent a team to Uganda to help serve about 100 or so, a little over 100 orphans that we've been trying to help take care of for 10 years or more. They were in South Sudan. South Sudan is a horrible mess. They ended up uh, running, really running for their lives a couple years ago. They're in, now in a refugee camp in Uganda. And so a small team went. And with that team, Phil Blasco is his name. We've got a picture of Phil. He's a member here at the church. But Phil is like the king of high fives. Uh, in fact, I got one from him earlier today. He is the high-five guy. So he took his high-five stuff, and you can just leave that picture up on the screen. A couple things about Phil. I mean, he just is into the high-five. The other thing is he's 6'8", I think. And so to give Phil a high-five is quite a thing. And sometimes he'll do it just to frustrate me. He'll be like, high-five, Pastor Mark. And I'm like, I can't jump that high. And he's... 
but he does this high five thing. So he was doing high five with all these kids. And long story short, by the end of the trip, when they were getting ready to go home, every, I don't think it's an overstatement, every kid was out there waiting to get their last high five from Phil before he left because the high five thing is a, was a thing. And so just imagine with me, there they are doing their high fives. But if you can imagine in the upper left-hand side, a little uh, South Sudan girl in a refugee camp. She doesn't have, her parents have, uh, have died. But in this moment where there's one guy lifting her up, one of the team members, to the other guy who's six foot eight and his hands are this big. I'm telling you, for that little girl, that's a phenomenal moment. Does that make sense? And it has to do with human contact. Well, where we're going to head today is the idea uh, that human contact is not just a fun thing or a warm, fuzzy thing, but it actually is a way to develop ourselves or someone else's. It's part of the picture of spiritual development in a life. Good, godly human contact. In Matthew chapter 8, Jesus is interacting with a man who has leprosy. By the way, you don't touch a leper. Like it's a rule, but not in, not in the kingdom of God. It says Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. And he was cleansed of his leprosy. Part of that story was the man came to Jesus and said, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus' response was, I'm willing. But part of the story was, how you know Jesus could have done it from a distance? He could have said, I'm willing, and then they would have been healed. But he didn't. Human contact, human touch was part of it. In Luke 18, 15, it describes people were bringing babies to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. Another really interesting story to ponder. We're going to touch on it later in the talk. In Luke 8, Jesus is traveling on a road. He's become a spiritual celebrity. There are all kinds of people around him. I think he's going to Jericho. And in the midst of the, the walk, um, a woman who has a physical illness and she's been ill for years, like over a dozen years, and she's been to all kinds of doctors and she can't get well, and she snuggles, squirms her way through the crowd, and she reaches out and she just touches, she just touches Jesus' clothes, and instantly, through that contact, she was healed. And, and then, it's interesting to me, Jesus says, who touched, he stops the parade, and he says, well, who touched me? And then the disciples, if you read it, the disciples kind of say, come on, Jesus, what are you talking about? You know, you've been touched a hundred times bouncing around in this big crowd of people. And Jesus is really clear. He says, no, 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 wait, somebody touched me. And he says, I know that, and this is worth thinking about, power. Power has gone out from me. Somewhere in Jesus' senses, he knew, wait, 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 wait. Somebody just got something really good, and it came through contact. Personal contact's been part of my spiritual growth uh, when I first became a Christian. Mr. Green was next to me when I was asking God to help me. 
And I'm pretty sure he had his hand on my shoulder. I had a spiritual father named Todd Austin for the first year of, after I became a Christian. And he was, he was always laying his hands on me and praying for me. It's like part of his deal. And here at the Vineyard, it's a regular part of prayer time. And it's part of our, our fellowship life, shaking hands and patting on the back. And, and so hold that thought. We're in a series called Missing Pieces. And we're really trying to focus on the essentials of genuine faith. And it, part of the list in Hebrews chapter 6 talks about the elementary teachings of genuine faith. And it'll come up on the screen. It says, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ. And in this list are like, you gotta know about this stuff if you're going to graduate into the, more, the deeper spiritual things. And part of the elementary teachings, well, I want to focus on two. There's repentance that lead to, that from acts that lead to death. There's faith in God. There's instructions about cleansing rites. That's baptisms. And can I just do a little side commercial? Please, thank you, appreciate that. <laughs> if you have made a commitment or recommitment to Jesus Christ or had a significant uh, spiritual thing go on in the last months, I'm going to be kind of direct. You should attend one of the baptism classes and think about baptism. Don't put that off. It's one of the elementary teachings. You can't, arguably, you can't get to middle school spiritually if you have not made it through elementary school. And elementary school is, I am submitting myself to some spiritual processes. One of those is getting baptized. Some people, you know, like, well, I don't think I, my hair, I don't want my hair to be, you know, or was it really, you know, do you have to? Can I just jump into the middle? Well, how much of God do you want? And do you want to grow up? There are oftentimes, this is a tangent, but she said I could. Somebody over here said I could. I'm telling you, you we are not the exception to the spiritual processes that God has put in the Bible. And we think, well, man, I want to be a super Christian, but I really don't want to read the Bible. Good luck. Like, you, no, I want to, no, but I have this secret thing where I, you know, it's a different thing. I don't read the Bible. I lay in the grass and, like, Get, get, read the Bible. You got to stop encouraging me. Whoever is doing this, this is not helpful to the rest of people that want to get out. Anyway, you know what I mean. So baptism is one of those things, you guys. So don't just go. Oh, well, I'll put it off next time because it might be. It might un unlock a, a, an incredible movement of spiritual growth in your life. Where are we now? One of the things in the elementary teachings list is laying on of hands. And so we're going to explore that from a very simple text in Acts 13. That's where we are. Here's what it says. It's got to be one of the more simple texts we've looked at in a long time. Verse 1 says, Now in the church at Antioch there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Mannion, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, and then here it is, they placed 
their hands on them and sent them off. Title of the talk is Getting Physical. What's the deal with laying hands on people? And I want to give you two situations that you should consider laying hands and praying for someone when you find yourself in these places. But I want to broaden this a little bit and encourage you, maybe that there are other ways that we can make contact to encourage or help develop people. A well-placed pat on the back can be exactly what that person needs to move forward. Does that make sense? So this is not just when it comes time to lay hands and pray, but when's the right time when you should consider giving a hug? When's the time you should consider patting on the back? When's, when's the time you should consider that? Does that make sense? All right. So two things from the text. Let me pray first. Oh, wait. Stop. Don't start praying. Side note. I'm going to be using the term human contact. I'm going to talk about, you know, touch. And I just want to pause. If in your past, someone, there was, there was human contact or touch that was not good and godly. I'm just praying. I've been praying for a couple days. You just have extra grace in your life not to get triggered by, you know, when I say so, touch or whatever, you know. Try not to freak out. I, I apologize for some things that happen in our world that, that God designed human touch to bring goodness, help, encouragement. The enemy brings stuff that takes us in the other direction. So if, if that's just wanted to acknowledge that in the room, okay? So now let's pray. God, as we consider this, will you give us ideas, thoughts, encouragement, so that we might be instruments of your goodness to the people around us? And even for those who we just need some good human contact, God, just... Let this to move us in that direction. Talk to us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Two things. Both of them are fairly simple. But here we go. We should consider laying hands. Again, I said maybe not just prayer, but hug, encouragement, physical encouragement. When things get spiritually serious. That's the first thing to write down. Spiritually serious. My interpretation of the text is this whole little evening slash few days where they're fasting and praying and being together, and the Holy Spirit speaks if you see the text, right? Somebody's fasting. How many know that's serious? If anybody's fasting, we don't generally give up food for no reason. How many of you are fasting? See what I mean? Nobody's fast. Oh, yeah, you are. Probably serious, isn't it? If not, just say, oh, yes, it's very serious. Thank you. <laughs> Does that make sense? There's a sense of seriousness when you decide to create sacrifice. Uh, the other idea is the Holy Spirit said, so God is talking. And when God is talking, that is serious. The third thing is when they sent them off. In other words, there's a change or a shift or a transitioning happening, a transition happening in some people's lives. Those are all great times to consider physical contact, encouragement, or laying hands on somebody to pray. By the way, you can fill in three fill-ins in the blanks really quick. These are the things I just touched on. First, the, the three things are spiritually serious moments can be someone is fasting, God is speaking, or something is changing. Just leave that up on the screen until people get a chance to write those down. 
Someone is fasting. Is that serious? God is speaking. Is that serious? Or something is changing. I want to take a little bit of time and explore the God is speaking side of this. Because what I want to emphasize is how serious it is when God is speaking. Uh, I had an interesting, I had a great time about a week ago at a young adult retreat. I got to go in in the morning last Saturday. Oh, why young adults? Uh, great group. There were, I don't know, 30-some young adults. And so I got to go and be, in the, be there in the morning and do a talk and interact. Part of the interaction, one of the young adults asked this question. And the question is this. If God tells me to do something and I don't do it, am I sinning? It's just an authentic question that they had. Remember when they had this question. And so if God tells me to do something and I don't do it, am I sinning? Now, some of us in the room, that's a really easy thing to answer. But basically, I ended up uh, saying to, long story short, the answer is yes. Just so we know. If God says, go there, and I don't, that's like kind of the definition of sin. Or if God says, stop that, and then I disregard his voice, that's like the definition of sin. If the scripture commands us to do something, and we don't, so that's kind of the heart of the definition of sin. But I was thinking about the question, and my mind went to the idea that I think maybe culturally right now, because of the amount of technological inputs we have, that we're developing an unhealthy muscle, which is we think everything that comes into our life is just an option to respond to. Let me try to illustrate I mean, if you got your smart, your phones with you, right? Grab your phones, everybody. I know some of you have been looking at them the whole time I've been talking. <laughs> but what happens, now this is different for different, in different measure, but for some of us, these things are offering us input all the time, right? So, you know, if you've got it on silent, it still buzzes. And you know, how many times you're in a meeting or you're doing this and it buzzes, you're laying in bed, and so here's what I, oh, mine just buzzed. Steve Huffman, you're on, man. That was so good. So what happened, I should have known. So what happens is life or friends or news feeds or whatever throws these things at us. But here's my, if I can go so far, caution. What's happening, I know in my life, is I I check things out, but most of the time, I dismiss them regularly. Because it's just an option. You know, Fox News. Oh, an an invitation. Oh, Oh, Facebook post. Oh, but I, even a phone call, right? Nah. And you'd... (laughs) Like, you just, everything's an option. You go, I'm not picking that up. Even if they're in your, like, even if, you, even if it comes up in your contact list, it's a maybe. Okay. Here's what I want to just, I'm challenging myself and challenging you. God forbid we start filtering God's commands 
or God's voice like we filter text messages. And I think, this is my theory, that it could be the enemy would use that so that God says, I got a command for you. And we go, oh, well, you know, I'll read it later. Or, I don't know, that doesn't feel right. Or, does that make sense? It's not a good place to be. If you want to explore a text, you can write down Jeremiah 25. I think it's an example of people that should have been paying attention to the commands and the voice of God, but they just disregarded it. It says, the word of the Lord has come to me, and I have spoken to you again and again. This is a prophet. This is the voice of God through a man to people. I have spoken to you again and again, but it says you've not listened. I just, and I hear the part that says, I've, I've talked to you again and again. And it goes on to say, the Lord has sent all his servants, the prophets, to you again and again. You have not listened or paid any attention. And can I just say, that is bad. That's bad. Read the rest of that chapter, and it gets really bad. They use words like destroy, experiencing horror, and everlasting ruin. And it's connected to the fact God was speaking, he was giving direction, and people thought it was just... They're just, we're just dismissing it. So here's an idea to write down and consider this week. If God is speaking, we should be responding. That's good counsel. If God's speaking, we should be responding. God, help me to respond when you're speaking through the scripture or through uh, an, an, an intuition, through God's spirit speaking to your heart. And and, and don't, you know, most of us, most of us, most of the time know very clearly when God is saying, stop that, start this, do that, give that. Does that make sense? Give yourself some credit. We do know most of the time the clarity of God's voice. So when God is speaking, when things are serious, it's a time, we're getting back to our topic now, it's a good time to lay hands, give a hug, bring physical encouragement. Let me give you a couple, one example at least. I remember when our children were growing up, hey, and this is some free parenting ideas. When we uh, were raising our kids and we want, our, we want to raise our kids to be a Christian, be Christians and to know God themselves. So when they, as they grew and became probably in second, third, fourth grade, uh, by the way, when they were little, we just told them God's will. Right? I didn't ask them whether they wanted to do God's will. We just made them do God's will. That's the way it worked. Because you're a kid, right? So whatever. But as they grow, you want to... Uh, that was So when they were second, third, or fourth grade, they would come home. And each one of our kids probably had a number of these experiences. They would come home with a dilemma or an opportunity. And instead of us telling them what to do... We would do something like, hmm, well, Leah, what do you think you should do? And we would oftentimes send them like to their room or someplace and say, go, you know God. Most of them became Christians fairly early in their life. 
Jesus Christ is in your heart. You have God's spirit. Go sit and talk to God. Find out what he's saying. And you know what? I cannot think of a time when they did not come back and have heard from God specific things about what they should do. They would come back consistently. Sometimes I think kids hear God's voice better than we do. They would come back and they would say, well, I believe that God wants me to forgive that person. And blah, blah, blah. Or they would come back and say, he said, be strong and you can make it. Or he would say, come back. I mean, really clear things. Now that, for uh, by the way, parenting, ready? Parenting, that's a win because you don't want your kid to grow up to be 18 and not have to have had to figure out how to hear God's voice. You will, we will not transfer discipleship onto our kids if we just control them for 18 years and send them off to college. Woo! <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Probably not going to, Right? Discipling is training them so that they can function with or without us in the future. So anyway, when those kind of things would happen at, at our house, we would take time and pray for them. Or we would hug them and say, great job. Or does that make sense? Great time to lay hands and give a, a physical affirmation to what's going on. I do want to give one side note. I don't think that this means we're supposed to lay hands on people all the time. A balancing verse here is 1 Timothy 5.22 that says, Do not be hasty in the laying on of hands. And that, when I think, directly connects to when you're praying for someone's new authority position. Don't be hasty in it. So you don't have to you know, be laying hands on everybody all the time. Someone walks into work and goes, I brought donuts. Well, lay hands on them. <laughs> so you don't have to, you know, it feels like the Lord's moving. No, it's just a donut. Just, does that make sense? Just, don't be all... Too weird with this stuff. Okay. But we should consider laying hands when things get spiritually serious. The other one is we do it in hopes of spiritual development. This is not so different than what we've been talking about, but spiritual development. And what I want to talk about is we can pray now or physically encourage now, and it's not mostly about what's happening in the room today. It's about what they're going to need next week or next year in this calling in their life. In the text, it says, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. They're going to get into the work tomorrow or next year. But the prayer was about preparation for when they get there. Don't underestimate the value of praying preparatory prayers. Lay your hands on them and pray about their future. So it could be future like tomorrow or it could be future like 10 years. Using another parenting illustration. For the first uh, 15 years of all of our children's lives, they got prayed for every day. 99% of those days, they would get prayed for and physical contact at the end of the day. And I would lay my hand on their shoulder or their chest or their head or their foot. Sometimes they'd already be sleeping. And I was going to grab their little foot and I'd say, God. And you know what I prayed about? I almost always, well, I had three secret prayers, but I can't tell you because they're secrets. But I would pray and all the secret prayers had to do with their future. I just prayed. Does that make sense? Because I knew they were growing up and that their future was coming quicker than anything. Man, we just prayed and prayed and prayed about their future stuff. And I would tell you that matters. 
You have power to pray for people around you regarding their future. In 2 Timothy 1.6, Paul, who's the spiritual father, says to Timothy, who's the spiritual son, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Timothy had a gift in his life that happened because of a prayer in the past. Paul had prayed, and it is affecting Timothy's future then, present day. You can write this in. It's not, great, not a great fill in the blank. But Timothy's present spiritual condition was influenced by past physical contact. Timothy's walking in a gifting, and you know where it got started? Paul, spiritual father, prayed some stuff and said, you're going to need this, and he prayed about his future. Huh. 30-second break. If you're not sure anyone has ever prayed a prayer about your future, like you just know, I'm not sure I've had anyone ever pray a blessing on me regarding my future, would you stand up and we're going to pray for you? This may not be right, but we're going to try it anyway. You're like thinking, if you can't readily think of somebody who you know has prayed about your future, would you stand up and we're going to pray for you right now? Ready, go. Everybody's had someone who prayed about their future. I think someone's just, just, just afraid to stand. Really? Everybody. Because you could have 300 people right now pray about your future, which is not a bad deal. Nobody? Great. What's your name? Jason. Awesome. Anybody else? Thanks, Jason. Yeah, what's your name in the back? What is it? Sabrina. Jason and Sabrina. Anybody else see now that Jason and Sabrina were strong? You're like, okay, now I'll get in on it. I know how life works. Anybody else? Stand up. And then church, somebody, Tom, Thomas, John, get, come over and just lay your hands. Lay your hands on Sabrina. We're just praying. Ready? Ten seconds. God, we pray. Hey, church, turn toward these people and pray. You do not have to bow your head to pray. Did you know that? You can keep your eyes open and God doesn't get freaked out. We pray a blessing on these people. Maybe someone's prayed about their future, but it was Sabrina and J Jason. In Jesus' name, we pray a blessing on you guys. God has a plan for your tomorrow. He looks down and he has plans for you as a son and you as a daughter. Good things. Some challenging things that will make you spiritually resilient. But good things. So God, 300 of us, some of us not, might not be praying, but almost all of us are. We pray a blessing on you guys. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, you guys. And thanks for praying. And now we're going to go way over on service time. Not really. What were we talking about? <laughs> praying. Oh, last thought. Last thought. Let me give you two scriptures, and the idea we're going to finish up with is sometimes you don't have to make this prayer and physical contact all official. You can do what you might call a spiritual, write this down, sneak attack. Just write sneak attack. 
Uh, <laughs> I've been doing this for a long, long time. Let me, last time I did it was yesterday morning. No, that's not true. I've done it some today already. Yesterday morning, I was at a estate sale. My wife and some of her friends were helping do this estate sale. I went over to pick a couple things up. There was a guy there. His name was Curtis. Curtis. And he was running around helping, carrying things. Just a nice guy in my mind, you know, younger man. And long story short, I interacted with him probably three or four times. He'd carry something out for somebody. And so I decided when I was getting ready to leave and Curtis was like over in this direction, I thought, man, I am not leaving until I sneak attack you <laughs> with some kind of physical contact and prayer. Now, before I tell you how it went, two scriptures. Romans 8.11 says, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. If you are a Christian, the same power that raised Christ from the dead is in us. Got that? That's true. Now, second, uh, second scripture to apply here is the woman who just touched Jesus' robe, just made this contact, but there was so much power in Jesus, and we looked at it earlier, where it's where Jesus says, wait, 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 who touched me? And the disciples go, what do you mean who touched you? He's like, no. And it says, I know that power has gone out from me. Wait, uh-uh. Somebody just got something really good. So here's the idea. If God lives in you, same spirit that was in Jesus, how can't God use us to do to people too? It's, so it's, it's called a sneak attack. And I'm telling you guys, so, uh, so Curtis, Curtis gets done, and he says, hey, and I said, man, thanks for being just a great guy, and I'm like, I am going to figure out a way to touch you before you leave. That sounded creepy, didn't it? <laughs> it sounds really creepy. But so I did, and I've done this thousands of times in my life, so he was going this way and this way, and I said, man, you're just a great guy, and I just took two steps, and I pat him on the back, and I said, thanks so much for just being a great guy. <laughs> I didn't do that. But you know why I reached out and patted him on the back? In hopes and in faith that if God lives in me, maybe he could go through me to bring something good into that young man's life. That's the point. Why not give it a shot? Who knows? Because you know God knows all the details of your heart. Who, how many people? Sneak attack. So here's the idea. How much could we influence our world if we just remembered God lives in us? Jesus, that same power transforms lives at times instantly, make ourselves available for a, a pat on the back, a hug, or at times laying hands on somebody and praying. I probably should make one clarification. Do not Go to the mall after this and, like, rub up against people <laughs> and do anything weird, like, so that they're going, what are you doing? Nothing. I'm just, just trying to give you, don't, yeah, because you'll go to jail and we'll have to, I don't know. But we're all smart enough to figure out how you can, through handshake, just who knows how God might use us. Last fill in the blank. <laughs>
<laughs> Am I using the gift of personal contact? Why don't you stand? Gonna be a whole lot of touching going on after church. <laughs> I can feel it. Bunch of sneak attacks in the atrium and stuff. No. <laughs> Let's pray. Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray that you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.